Hi, welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited you tuned in to listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. I appreciate each and every one of you. I wanted to take a moment to just say Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2021 and I'm excited about what's to come. Thank you all so much for rocking with me for the past two years. I have graduated. If you guys didn't know, check it out on Instagram. I posted a video uh, so you guys could see my drive through graduation and how I celebrate it. If you have any topics that you would like me to discuss on the podcast, please send me an email to hello at singleblackmotherhood.com. We ended 2020 talking about coping strategies for our children, and I know some of you may be thinking that you need a therapist for yourself and you need to develop some coping strategies and tools to get you through this year 2021. So I got you. If getting a therapist is one of your 2021 goals, in the past, you may not have felt like you have the time or even know where to begin. Or maybe you just felt like if only you had the money to invest in a therapist. Well, guess what? I have a solution for you. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And the exciting thing is that you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. It is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And it's super convenient right now because we're all at home with our kids. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. This service is available for you wherever you are all over the world. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if the one you were assigned is not a good fit. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So no excuses. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. They have offered 10% off your first month for... Being a listener here at Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black, visit betterhelp.com forward slash experiencing motherhood. That's better H E L P and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I will include the link in the show notes. Now, without further ado, let's hop into this episode. Hi, Muffy. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Hi, well, thanks for asking. So I want you to just take a moment to let everybody know who you are. Um, thank you to all the single moms out there, because I know being a single yeah. mom is tough. It's not easy, um, but it is a job that we must do. So I'm Muffy. I wrote a book called The Brown Mama Mindset. I run a support group called Brown Mamas here in the Pittsburgh region, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania region of over 5,000 moms. And um, I like to always tell moms, <clears throat> I'm just a mom, really. Um, I live my life every day like every other mom lives their life. Um, but one of the things that I think is special about me is that I'm, I, I choose to have a mindful mothering journey. Um, and I choose to do that in a way that supports not just myself, but my children and being their authentic selves and recognizing that they have everything inside of them to be the people that they need to be. They don't need any additions. They don't need any, um, they don't need to perform for anyone and they do not need to walk outside of their authentic selves to get anything that they need. Um, and I encourage the moms in my community to do the same. So that's who I am in a nutshell. Awesome. Thanks for sharing it. Now, Muffy, how many kids do you have? I have three boys, um, ages oh, wow. 18, 11, and 12. I have no girls, unfortunately, because I wish I had a little girl running around here, but yeah. <laughs> okay, <Beautiful>. so <laughs> tell me uh, why or what inspired you to create the platform Brown Mamas? I was like many moms and I needed to find my circle of support. So I started off my oldest son. I had him when I was 19 and I was a single mom. And so after seven years of being a single mom, I got married and I moved to Brooklyn, New York. And then I moved back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and my life had changed. And the people that I fit in with before, I no longer fit in with um, because I was younger back then. And I was also running the streets when I'm just real. <laughs> I was out there in them streets, you know, clubbing and doing all those things. And so when I got married and I kind of settled in my spirit a little bit, I needed some people, so I needed to find some friends that was settled because <laughs> I couldn't be loving no more because I was married. And so, yeah, I, I reached out to folks. Like I started reaching out to some people that I knew was more settled in my region. And I'm like, yo, we need to start a support group because like, I don't got nobody in these streets. I don't got nobody to babysit. I don't got nobody to vent to. If I just need an evening off and I want to go sit at Bahama Breeze and have a, a cocktail, I don't got nobody to go with. So. I was like, yeah, let's get this started. And so it started with just me and six other moms meeting in my living room. And then, you know, Facebook became a thing. And before I knew it, we had 5,000 moms in our support group. And, and I'm happy to, to be a leader of that community now that supports black moms in a myriad of ways. Um, we do mentoring, we do mom's night out, we do mom's night in. We just do all kinds of stuff to really help black women to feel secure in their motherhood journey. But it really just started with me being real about myself, about where I was at in my life and knowing that I needed to find some people. So I always like to say what started off as a very selfish pursuit ended up being something that I did not just for myself, but for the other black women in my life. Awesome. That's kind of similar to, you know, what I'm trying to, to do in this space, because I started out 
trying to find other moms like me because I didn't have the support and I didn't have people around. So that's awesome. Now, how did you, I guess, get to the place where you were like, okay, I don't have those people and I need to reach out to people because a lot of people don't have that mindset. I think we were talking off the mic and I was telling you how I've met or, you know, talked to via DM or in the comments to a lot of moms who don't really feel open to meeting people. I feel like they have this closed mindset when it comes down to, you know, creating their own support system or just, you know, being open to going and having coffee or tea with a new mom who they have no clue, you know, who they are. How, how did you get there? I think that how I got there was this, I got, I'm just be. I got tired of being lonely. I okay. mean, there's only so, so much walking around the mall by yourself you could do. <laughs> well, they might feel like, okay, you know, so some of them feel like, okay, they have their kids, right? Like that's enough for them at this, you know, season in their life. Let me just tell you something. And I'm going to tell you this as a mom who is just now experiencing this. My oldest son just turned 18. He got a little girl. Them kids is going to get grown. And when, they, when they're ready to go, they are going to dart. And you're going to be by yourself back to walking around the mall by yourself. So for me, I guess it was just thinking to myself, like, honestly, there's only so much fun I can have on a play date. There's just only so much you can do with a kid. At the end of the day, I'm all for Here's what I think. I think kids should earn your friendship. I don't think you should just give them your friendship. I think friendship is something that is a relationship that has to be respected and nurtured and built. I mean, that's how I do with all of my girlfriends. So I do the same thing with my children. And at the end of the day, I don't really want to be at the mall with my kid. I would rather be with my girlfriend and Kiki and, and talking about stuff that I couldn't talk about with my kids. So I think it's a, it really comes down to courage and bravery, right? Do you have the courage to not be lonely anymore is what I would really try to get moms to examine. And then also recognizing, because one of the things I had to dig deep about when I started my support group was the issues I had with creating, with making female relationships. And I had to really realize that a lot of times when women are saying that they can't make girlfriends, it has nothing to do with them and it has everything to do with you because I feel like what happens is we're not comfortable being our authentic selves around people who might be un uncomfortable with our authentic selves. So I feel like as a woman, when you're ready to make friends, it's typically because you really don't care what people think anymore. It's like, I'm gonna introduce myself to you. I'm gonna be friends with you if you can accept me for who I am. And if you can't, then deuces, blessings, like billions of blessings, but bye now. So okay, I really, right. you know what I'm saying? I just feel like you have to be brave enough to recognize that you have something to contribute to the relationship. And you also gotta be brave enough to recognize that you deserve to be your authentic self in every space that you go into. And the people who are for you are gonna be there and the people who ain't, ain't gonna be there. Yes, or they will show themselves in due time, and you have to be able to <laughs> recognize that a shift is happening, right? Um, we yep. are currently um, reading Relational Intelligence in the Private Community, and moms, if you are listening, I highly recommend this book. It is so good, and it talked about actually same thing you said, Muffy, about you know people earning your friendship. It's not just given, and I think 
a lot of people fail to realize that. But it brings me to my next question. You know, you wrote this book called The Brown Mama Mindset. What inspired you to write this book and talk about what exactly the brown mama mindset is? What inspired me to write the book was really getting comfortable in my life as a mom. And I think that happened at a time when, like I said, I had moved to Brooklyn, New York with my husband. Um, and that was a really transformative experience for me because my husband had shown me, he was the first man that ever shown me unconditional love. And I didn't know what that was. And I didn't understand those feelings that I was experiencing, you know, being in relationship to him because I'd never experienced love from a man before. And so fast forward after that, we moved back to Pittsburgh and I ended up moving next door to my father. I'd never known my father. My mom was a single mom when I was growing up. So I'd never known my father. And we ended up engaging in a really close relationship where I was seeing my dad every day and just experiencing love for my father, again, from a man who, had lo who loved me unconditionally, um, even though he hadn't been there for my entire childhood, but I'd never experienced this before. And so I felt like it really helped me to settle into who I wanted to be as a woman. And it made me also begin to realize that all of the hangups that I had as a single mom, all of the fears that I'd had for my children as a single mom really didn't exist. But what it was really existing was a void within me because I'd lived this strong black woman life for so long. And so I was really able to let down my guard to be, to allow myself to be authentically loved both by my husband and my father, and also to begin to release some of these I mean, just fearful mindset of nothing ever going my way. And so the Brown Mama mindset was kind of like me releasing that and then sharing my experience of mindfulness, my experience of understanding why I felt so unprotected for so long, my experience of understanding why I'd not been able to accept myself for so long because I hadn't known the other part of me because I had never been loved by a man really truly. And so the book is not a relationship book. It's actually not about men at all, but it's really about, I feel like it is my experience of learning how to genuinely love myself and really being able to open up my life and change the way I think about my life yes. so that I could be a better mother to my children. It was definitely that. And you mentioned something about reevaluating the mindset we use and thinking our way out of problems. What yes. exactly did you mean by that? What I mean by that is questioning. I think this is something that's hard for Black women to accept. We don't like to be questioned. Mm -hmm. And because we don't like to be questioned externally, oftentimes that leads to us very rarely questioning our own motives our own ideologies and philosophies internally. And so I think that Black women have gotten to a point now where we are beginning to question. But I think it goes much deeper than that. I always like to say, as a Black person in America, you have to begin to understand that we were bred. Black people in America in particular, not necessarily in the rest of the diaspora, because if you understand black history, then one of the things you understand is that African people were imported to Brazil, to Caribbeans, well into the 1800s. But in America, the slaves 
the slave trade stopped here in the 1700s. So they didn't have a choice but to breed black people. I say that to say that we were bred, like our ideologies, our mindset, the way we think about things. We were never given the opportunity to question that. And so for that reason, we really have to, as black people, and definitely as black women, because I feel like we are the culture creators, we are the game changers in our communities, we really have to begin to question everything. Like your very existence, when you understand that you've been bred as a human being, that you've been, I mean, that story that people tell all the time about the chimpanzees who are trapped and one of them touches the light bulb and he gets shocked and then he goes up and touches it again. And then the second chimpanzee goes up and touches the light bulb and then he touches it again and he gets shocked and they're like, I'm not touching it. Well, by the time you get to the third chimpanzee, that light bulb could be dead and he won't touch it because he knows better. He's yeah. seen the others who touch it get shocked. He's seen them get injured several times. And we are now that chimpanzee who we don't question. We don't question because we're too afraid because we've seen the people get shocked in front of us. And so much of that plays out in the way that we raise our children. It plays out in the way that we coddle our sons. It plays out in the way that we demand and beat down our daughters. It plays out in how we parent and in how we love ourselves. And so black women, um, one of the things that the Brown Woman Mindset is actually a series of books. It has a book, a workbook, a journal, and a mind check deck. If you don't get nothing else, go on brownmamas.com and get the mind check deck. It is a series of questions for 30 days for you to ask yourself to help you to get centered on what you really believe in. Because a lot of times we're walking around believing in stuff. And I don't mean religiously believing. I mean believing our very life's core, our essence is built on a belief system that is false. So we believe things that are detrimental to us. We believe things that cause our children to discard us. I mean, look at how elderly black people are treated. They're discarded of as if they had nothing to value and to give. And too often those elderly people that are discarded of are black women. So we really need to begin to question our mindset and question what we are doing and asking ourselves why no matter how many black women graduate from college, no matter how many black women run Fortune 500 companies, no matter how many black women sit at the top of nonprofits and call for change in black communities, why has it not happened yet? Is it that things really can't change or is it that the way in which we think is somehow warped and not necessarily giving us the outcomes that we're so desperately seeking? Mm, that's good. There was this other thing you, you mentioned. Um, I believe there was a mom who who was a young mom and you said you could see that she was kind of lost and she was on this sort of mental treadmill and her current thoughts were controlled by the thought of her future. Now, I feel like I have ran into quite a few moms like this as well. You know, they're so hung up on thinking like, is my child going to be able to do this? Or, you know, will we be able to get this house or get that car? Like, you know, five years from now. And so they're not really focused on today, but they're more focused on tomorrow. And I want you to kind of explain like why it's important for us to just be in the here and now, you know, instead of, you know, getting lost in our thoughts about the future. Well, I think because you are in the here and now, right? 
you are here right now. Your children are here right now. So if you don't recognize what's happening right now, you'll be so focused on the assumed life path or the assumed success path for the future that you won't recognize the real life path that's playing out right now in this moment. So the danger of being this always forward thinking person is that you don't see what's really happening. Um, and 2020 has been a great year for that reason. I'm into numerology like heavy. I do numerology. I don't do readings for anybody, but I do it for my own life just as a way of seeing the signs and understanding what's happening currently in my life and the current energies. And one of the things we know about the, the, the year 2020 is that as of two plus two is four. And the number four is, is the number for seeing things as they really are. And so we are in a time period where we're being forced to slow down for that very reason. And I think women in particular, because we know that everybody keeps talking about the age of Aquarius, ushering in the age of Aquarius, the age of the feminine spirit. The feminine spirit is all about duality and connectedness. And so as women, when we are forward thinking constantly, doesn't mean we can't think, we can't, you know, begin to prepare for our futures, but to be forward to be always consistently thinking about your future and never thinking about now is losing connection with what's happening right now. And when you lose that connection, you lose your very essence, your very core, because the you of right now is the only you that's meant to exist right now. You keep wishing yourself into the future. You're missing the, your, your connectedness right now and like who you are right now. Because the you of right now is the only you that's meant to exist. And if you aren't paying attention to who you are in this moment, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to correctly predict what's happening in your future or what will be happening in your future. And not to mention the fact that when you live on this treadmill, and I call it the treadmill because we all know what happens when you're on the treadmill. It becomes really difficult to not think about that next step. So treadmill living is, is living a lifestyle in which the only thing you're thinking about is the next step. So you're not able to appreciate what's happening in your life right now. You're not able to have gratitude for that. And so if you're not having gratitude for who you are in the moment, who your children are in the moment, then you have to remember that you're, you're swinging that pendulum of non-gratitude out into the future. And so if you're not grateful for what's good right now, then you're sending, the, you're sending signals into the future that you won't be grateful for the blessing at the end. And so why should it be given? And you're also sending signals that you don't appreciate life and that you don't necessarily view life as sacred. So I'm not saying we should be so present that we don't plan for the future, but we should be present enough that we can have gratitude for who we are right now. Even if the you of right now isn't necessarily your ideal you, you have to recognize that you're learning lessons. You have to recognize that you're having experiences that will help you to understand things better in your future. You have to recognize that your children, you only get, you only get your kid to be that age once. It goes away. And as a mom of an 18-year-old, I can honestly say, like, I feel like I was just holding him yesterday. And now he's, about to enter the real world. Wow, that's good. Now you mentioned about how, you know, this year has really forced a lot of us to 
slow down, right? Um, why do you believe that it's important for us to slow down to a pace that is manageable and sane? Because what I've found is that even though, you know, we're in this pandemic and a lot of us are in quarantine, you know, a lot of people still haven't changed their habits. Like they're still finding things to do to keep themselves, I guess, busy and occupied and continuing to go, 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 you know? So talk about that a little bit. I think what the world is teaching us right now is that the pace in which we were living life was really insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really did not make sense because it's outward living. Like it's living for the next thing you can consume. It's living for the next big idea. It's living for the next thing. It's not living for life. Like living for life is doing things that make you feel good, but also things that are actually productive, like that have a productive endpoint that is agreeable with our world. And a lot of what we've been previously doing is leading to the destruction of our world. It's leading to, you know, climate change. It's leading to racism and white supremacy. It's leading to sexism and all of these isms that are continually propelling us for this future that is not going to be a future at all for our kids. So I think this is a gift from the gods. And this is an opportunity for us to really look at what are you doing in your life and what are the implications of what you're doing in your life? And are you a person who is actually working for the good of humanity? Or are you a person who's working for consumerism and capitalism and, and all of these isms that don't do humanity any good? And I think this is a, this is a, this was a gift to humanity to really sit back and evaluate whether we want to stay on this course or if we want to develop a course that is more centered with maintaining our humanity. Because what many people are doing on a day-to-day basis, running this rat race, doing this treadmill, is they're giving up their humanity. And like I said before, if you're not grateful for who you are in that moment, at that time, then you're sending signals into the future that you're not grateful for life. I think this is a gift for us to really slow down and it's important for us to do because we don't want to sever our ties with our humanity. We wanna create a world that our kids will enjoy because I can honestly say like, I'm not optimistic about the, the world my kids are going to inherit. And that's, I feel like that's a very sad thing. Yeah, it's sad, (laughs) like how, you know, they have to grow up, but like we can't really focus too much on that either, you know? I feel like we have to do the best that we can as mothers, you know, and trust the process. But um, I like that, you know, you broke that down, but one of the things that I often hear And this was even, you know, before the pandemic, but I feel like people are still saying it. It's like, if I had more time, I could do this. Or if I had more time, I could do that. And I remember reading in your book, you said, stop saying if I had more time. Your time limitations are solely based on the perception of time. So some people might not be able to grasp that. So can you talk about what, 
the perception of time actually is like what does it mean if like my perception of time is different from yours what does that look like well first we have to understand that in terms of the 24 hour day the 365 day year those are for lack of word better symbols that we've placed on time to better be able to structure organize um manipulate and control time so they really don't exist. Like, yeah, you're gonna get old, you're gonna die one day, right? But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, repeat, is something that somebody created as a way to control and manipulate time in a structured and organized manner. And so you're, the way you view your time, if you decide that I'm going to operate on this idea that everything has to be done in this systematic way, then yeah, you're right, 100%, you're running out of time. Me personally, I realize that because I am a black woman, time always is and will be. Like I have children, which means that whatever works that God chooses not to finish in me, God will finish in my children. So I'm not the type of person that wakes up in the morning and is like, Oh my God, if I don't get this done by Friday, it's going to, no. I have a life to live first, which means I get up in the morning, I do yoga, I spend time with my kids. I make sure that I'm doing whatever I need to do to stay financially healthy and sane. And everything else, when it gets done, it gets done. Because I'm not going to place myself on the treadmill where I'm stressing myself out over an hour or a moment or a day. I think we have to get better about creating lifestyles and also creating boundaries in our lives where we say, I'm human first. A good friend of mine, it was funny when I first started Brown Mamas and I was really trying to, um, I really wanted to just take it further and make it bigger. And a good friend of mine, he said, you know, Muffy, you're a human. You're not meant to work eight to 10 hours a day. That's a lot to ask of a human who has to sleep. I mean, think about it. As a human, you have to sleep for no less than six hours a day. Eight hours if you want to feel good. So if eight hours of your day is spent sleeping, you have a 24-hour day, how many hours can you afford to give to someone else? And if the amount of time that you're giving to yourself is so minuscule that you can hardly call yourself human, then what are you really? So that statement is really to challenge people to think about the ways in which you're spending your time and also how has the way in which you perceived your time allowed you to create less boundaries with the with what time you give to other people. Yeah. Because a lot of times what happens is we are we're in the world and we're kind of in this desperation kick, right? We're like, I need to do this. I need to pay this bill. I need to make sure that my kids can go to college. I need to make sure this and this and that and this and this and that. And so we sell our time to people for very, very cheap. And then we run the right rat race so that we can stay on top of all of these checklists that we have. And the one thing that I can say to inspire people is once I realized that that was what I was doing, which was probably about eight years ago, I stopped doing it. And my gas hasn't been cut off. My lights bill hasn't been cut off. We bought a home. I've been more financially fit than I ever was because I recognized that my life need to operate, needed to operate in a way that was human in order to abide by the laws of this earth. And one of the laws of this earth is that humans have to be human. 
when you allow yourself to operate in that robotic time system, then you get what you put in. You become a slave to the system. You become a slave to the time constraints. But once you say, no, you know what? That's not for me. Then the world begins to operate. At, there's a book called The Alchemist. If you ain't read it, you should read it. The world begins to operate in your favor once you put it on notice and you say, I'm human. And do you know what it means to be human? It means I'm made in the image of God and, and I will have dominion here. Time will not have dominion over me. I will have dominion over time. So I will tell it when things needs to get done. It will not tell me. Oh, I love that. Yes. So you also mentioned that you wake up in the morning and you do yoga or something for yourself, right? And so I found that a lot of moms don't wake up and spend time with themselves. They get up running on this treadmill as you call it and it's like before you know it it's nighttime and they haven't spent one minute with themselves and so in the book you said that when we neglect to care for ourselves we have the misconception that we can continue to care for our children without missing a beat and that everything will be fine that's not the case and we have to learn to prioritize what's important so why do you think so many moms struggle with this? And it's not even just single moms, right? Because I know this is a primarily, you know, single moms podcast, but I do have a lot of married moms that listen as well. And they also struggle with this. And I'm like, I can't figure out like why, you know, so many of them struggle with just giving themselves 15 minutes or not even like you said not not even putting a time limit on it but you know that you're gonna get up and you're gonna do your yoga you know and you're not gonna rush through it because you deserve that time to you know pour into yourself i think a lot of moms really really think and i talk about this and i think it's chapter two which is nourished roots real a lot of moms have this false conception that or misconception that they cannot take care of themselves and still take care of everybody else. And one of the analogies I use in the book is my spider plant. So I, I love house plants. And one of the plants I have is a spider plant. And a spider plant, I don't know if you've ever seen how it grows, but it grows itself. And then in order for it to have babies, it grows these long little tendrils, right? And then the babies sprout out at the end of the tendrils. So, so other, other spider plants sprout out at the end of the tendrils. And so I was observing this plant one time because I used to be horrible at watering my plant. So I would just like let them go for weeks while I watered it. And with that plant in particular, I remember one time I didn't water it and I went to go look at it and it had all of these babies, but all the babies were dead. But the plant itself was like fine. Like it was still green. It didn't have no brown on it, but all the babies were dead. And a lot of times that's how moms are operating. We're operating out of this false pretense that we cannot take care of ourselves and the babies ain't going to die first. We're going to die first. But that's not the way it works. Whenever a woman, when someone gets cancer, what happens first? Their hair starts to fall out. As soon as they hit that chemo hit, their hair starts to fall out. Their heart don't stop beating first. Does the heart still be pumping? So you are the source, mom. You're the source. So if you don't take care of you, you think it's you that's going to get hurt. No, everybody in your house is suffering when you don't take care of you because you got a stank attitude and you walking around and your husband's mad and your kids are mad. Why is everybody mad? Because you mad. 
you don't take care of your, you don't feed yourself well. So when you don't feed yourself well, guess what happens? You don't feed nobody well. You think you are, and I know because I've been there. I've been like, oh, I'm feeding everybody good, but your kids are watching you eat that candy bar at 10 a.m. And guess what they're doing? They're sneaking a candy bar upstairs at 10 a.m. <laughs> they might have ate, ate that apple you put on the table, and then they went upstairs and had their candy bar too. So we think that we cannot take care of ourselves and that we are going to be the ones that are harmed instead of realizing, no, mom, you're hurting your kids. You're hurting your mate. You're hurting your community because you won't take care of yourself. So I think we just have this false pretense that by not having self-care, by not taking care of ourselves, by not pampering ourselves and having a little shopping day every once in a while, that we are somehow only hurting ourselves. Instead of, I think if black women really realized and took time to take stock of all the people they're hurting because they're not engaging in self-care, I think that is the one thing that would get us to change. Because one of the things we like to do is take care of other people. Yes, that's it. Yeah, we see other people hurting and hopefully it will encourage us to not hurt ourselves. Yes, that's so good. Oftentimes, you know, like you said, People just focus on other people more than they do themselves. It's like, I got to take care of mama. I got to take care of the kids. I got to do this. I got to do that. But what about you? You know? So um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is mom guilt. And I think you mentioned that that sort of comes from our inability to pat ourselves on the back at the end of each day. And so... Mm -hmm. I don't know why this also is such a struggle. You know, um, a lot of moms don't think that, you know, they deserve to even be called a good mom sometimes. It's like, I think I asked the question, you know, when is the last time you told yourself you were a good mom and you were doing a good job and you did the best that you could? And so many moms are like, they didn't know, you know? And it's like, if you don't think you're doing a good job, then, you know, what does that mean about other people? Like you have to believe that you're doing a good job first, you know, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it because you're doing the best that you can. But I want to hear, you know, what made you actually um, discuss this in a book? Cause I think it's very important. Um, I think not enough black moms give themselves credit for the exceptional beings that we are. Like technically when you, really think about it from a historical perspective there should not be one black person here right now in america like we should all be dead or in mental institution so i think that black women have to really we have to really give ourselves credit for just being able to survive and make it and that's regardless of whether you know we have in our community as a mom that is a millennium mom born in the early 80s an 80s baby our community has been through the gamut we have been through Black Wall Street, the crack epidemic, the civil rights movement, the black power movement, racism, sexism, gender biases. We've been through it all. And we still are here. And we're still loving our kids. And we're still protesting and fighting. We, for some strange reason, we refuse to accept that we are exceptional. Chapter three in the book is called Accept Your Exceptionalism. And I think black women, we have this thing that we do. We just, my dad used to tell me all the time, he would say, Muffy, why do you just put yourself in the corner and just box yourself to death? Like you'll literally, you'll do something good and then you'll just immediately start boxing yourself about all the things, ways you could have done that better. And we got to stop that. 
one of the practices that I have every night, well, I'll say I don't do it absolutely every night, but as often as I can, especially when I get my guilt trip, because I think mom guilt keeps a lot of moms up at night. And one of the practices that I have now is that I will, every night before I go to bed, I take a deep breath and I say, but you did your best. You did your best. No matter what it was, you did your very best in that moment. And just know that your best changes from moment to moment. Sometimes the best of you is Martha Stewart, and sometimes the best of you is, I don't know, that crackhead you saw down on the corner in your neighborhood. That's just what's real because we're human. And this is why I think it's just so important for us to get back to being human and recognize you cannot do it all. You are not superwoman. That is a false character that somebody made up. Some days your best is going to look glitzy and glamorous and sometimes it's going to look dusty butted because you're human and you deserve to have good days and bad days. And so that's, that's why the self-care is important because the self-care is not there for, you know, when you want to go get a mani and petty. The self-care is there for when you're having a bad day. And you just need something to pick you up and you can pull out your coloring book or put on that yoga video or take five minutes and use your massager and get yourself together. Like you gotta, you have to take care of yourself because if you don't, you're not going to have no fuel for when that mom guilt kicks in and tries to kick your ass. Like you have to, you gotta take care of yourself. Yes. That's so good. Well, Muffy, thank you so much. For coming on. I really appreciate all the gems that you have dropped today. Let everybody know where they can find you and connect with you and purchase your product. So you can buy the Brown Mama Mindset series on Amazon or you can buy it on brownmamas.com also. And the Mind Check deck is not available on Amazon, but it is available on brownmamas.com. Um, and you pretty much, if you want to find out anything about me, just visit brownmamas.com. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you being patient with me. (laughs) You are welcome. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode like I did. I definitely got a lot of gems from Muffy. So if you did too, please take a moment if you're listening on Apple Podcasts to leave a review. Let me know what you thought about the episode. That helps other moms find the podcast. Feel free to drop me a DM over on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. And if you're not following me over there, be sure to do so. You can also like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood. And feel free to shoot me an email anytime. Hello at singleblackmotherhood.com. I thank you all so much for taking the time out to listen. And until the next episode, I will talk to you later. Bye.